0: As a follower of Jesus, and even those who don't know Jesus yet, you can commit your life to Christ. This is God's plan for you and I, my friends. What is that? That our bodies, our souls, our minds, and our hearts will be places where the presence of God dwells. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit, and that you were bought at a price, the price of the cross. Therefore, we're called to honor God with our bodies, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says this, for Paul speaking again, for we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. And Paul is talking about his body like it was a tent. And boy, the older I get, the more my body feels like a tent, right? You know, I play basketball Tuesday, Thursdays, and Saturdays, five in the morning, right, with a group of guys. A lot of them are young in their 20s, right? I was, I, you know, when I try to run with those guys, if I feel every bit 40, right? And then there's a, there was this guy this Saturday who was about 6'6", and I was guarding him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like he did a euro step. Before you know it, the bottom part of his chest was here, and this is my head, and I was like, I'm a third grader. <laughs> I'm a third grader. Okay, I see how this is. So I swept his legs. Now, I'm just gonna <laughs> uh, You know? And the older you get, the slower you get. You realize this body's a tent, right? And it's breaking down. It's, it's slowing down. But we have an eternal home that God's preparing for us. 1 Peter 2 says this, as you come to him, as you come to Jesus, he is the living stone that was rejected by humans but chosen by God and, pre- and precious to God. You also, you, the church, like living stones, you are being built up into a spiritual house. To be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So here is, again, a description of you being built up to be a dwelling place of God. Listen, the kingdom of God is something that we look forward to in the future. And the kingdom of God is a reality right now. And it's supposed to be a reality in your life right now. Righteousness, peace, and joy and contentment should fill you. And that reality of the kingdom should impact those that surround you. If you're a Christian today, God calls you to be a priest. And what does that mean? When people come in contact with you, they find a person who forgives, a person who restores, a person who understands, a person who intercedes. You know what intercession is? to be burdened with the things that burden God and to come before God and to pray and plead for those who need to encounter his love and his grace and his mercy. As we were worshiping, the word of the Lord came today that said intercessors need to wake up this morning. Intercessors need to wake up this morning. I believe this world needs the mercy of God, the grace of God, the restoration of God, the holiness of God, and that comes through prayer. Through prayer, God's calling us to stand up and intercede. And so, as we consider this scripture, uh, here's another one, Matthew 7, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words, Of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. In other words, it's not good enough to just hear the word and not do anything with it. God calls us to take his word, his teachings, and apply it into our lives. And, and if we apply it, then our lives will be on the foundation that is Jesus Christ. And no matter what storms and hell rises against us, we will be firm. Right? God wants us to be a dwelling place for him. And so as I think about that, and I think about the fact that we have a sign over there that says, Enjoy your space, I want to ask us a question this morning. When God looks at our hearts... When God looks at our souls, when he looks at our minds, the things that we meditate on, is there a big welcome mat in our hearts that says, Jesus, enjoy this space? Jesus, you are welcome here. This house is your house, and you are welcome here. When God looks at your heart, when God looks at your mind, when God looks at the things that you, does that scream out to Jesus? You're welcomed in this place. Now, I want to tell you something. There are many a times where my life is not so welcoming the big Jesus, right? And I want this Sunday to be a Sunday of confession for me because I think that if I share with you times that I haven't been welcoming to Jesus, maybe you and I can maybe relate and be able to put some things at the altar and say, okay, God. We want our hearts and our minds and our souls to be welcoming to you 24 7. And so I I realized that in my life there were times that I was not welcoming to God, that I was not welcoming to the Holy Spirit because instead of being a dwelling place for His presence, I was more like a museum. I was more like a museum. anybody ever been in in a museum? Hopefully, most of us have been in a museum. You know that when you go to a museum, you only have a certain amount of time that you can be at a museum. And you know that when you go to the museum, even though you're in a museum, you you can't really feel at home in the museum. Sometimes there's chairs that look really welcoming that you're not supposed to sit in, right? (laughs) Sometimes, there are areas that have all kinds of beautiful displays, but you're not even supposed to go to those areas because they're not accessible. They're not open. The teacher or whoever's supposed to walk us through that section is not there, so those sections are not open. Sometimes, when you go to a museum, most times, there are guardrails that tell you, do not touch, do not cross, make sure that when you leave, you leave everything exactly as you found it. And if you go to a real fancy place, you're not even supposed to take pictures, Right, I remember as we were walking through the Sistine Chapel in Rome, we had this guide, and she was about four foot nothing, but she put the fear of God in me. Right, she was intimidating us all get out, and she's talking about everything, and all of a sudden, in the middle of the whole tour, she's like, you know, and you look at the beautiful tapestry here, and you see that Michelangelo, the flesh! (laughs) You're like, oh my, Lord, I'm sorry, you just scream, no flash, don't take any pictures here. You're like, please, nobody take a picture, please. I'm so scared. This is a three hour tour, right? And so, you know, it's like sometimes you find some pl- people that work in the museums, they're not really welcoming either, right? They're like constantly annoyed at the life that's happening in the museum, that people are being people. Anybody ever experienced that, right? Okay, all right, maybe. Or maybe, you know, let me just put it this way. It's kind of like being, my li- let me just say it this way. I, my, my life was not a dwelling place, a welcoming place for Jesus, because I was like that sofa that had the plastic over it. Anybody old enough to remember them old sofas? Back in the days, believe it or not, folks used to cover pl- couches that were already uncomfortable with like this thick, plastic. And if you're like from the Dominican Republic, and it gets hot, and you happen to be a kid, and you fall asleep on one of these couches, (laughs) you literally have to peel yourself off that, you're just like, (laughs) like, oh God, all my hair is gone. It's it's awful. It's an awful experience. But the couch, when you look at that couch, that couch says, you can look at me, you really can't sit on me, but if you sit on me, make sure that you leave me just like you found me. I think that a lot of us do relationships with people that way. We do relationship with people that way. We say to people, I don't want you to, without verbalizing it, I don't want you to feel comfortable around me. We say, you can be my acquaintance, but not my friend. Sometimes we say without verbalizing, if you come close, you will pay a price for it. Sometimes we say, everything has to stay the same way after you leave. And we treat God the same way. We say, Jesus, you're not welcome here for too long. Jesus, I welcome you Sunday mornings for an hour and a half, sometimes on Wednesday for a service. Sometimes we say, God, we, we like to know about you. We want you to be an acquaintance, but we're not ready for you to be Lord. We don't have to say that with our words. Just with the way that we live, we say that. Sometimes we say we have rooms in our hearts and in our souls that we say, "Okay, Jesus, you know, you can check out the museum, but this section is inaccessible to you." Sometimes we say, "Lord, don't touch anything in my life. I want everything to stay the same after your visit ends." And the consequences of a life lived out this way ultimately is living a life very annoyed at everything and at everyone, right? I want you to just ask yourself, don't raise your hand right now. Okay, don't raise your hand right now, but I'm just gonna ask this question. Any of you ever noticed that you're just going through life being very annoyed at everything and everyone? Don't, don't raise your hand right now. I'll do it for you. I read an article and it hit me. It's like, that's me! Oh, that's me. Oh, God. Right? What's your life like? Is it a welcoming place? If we live this way, the consequences are grave. We'll be annoyed at everything and everyone. We will have an inability to grow past the the past. And we will not grow in intimacy with others and most importantly with God. Is your life screaming, Jesus, you're welcome? Or is your life saying, "Uh, not for long? Another reason why my life was not welcoming to God at points, it's because my space, my personal space, my soul space, my heart space, my mind space, didn't have space. I had no space in my space. I had no space. How many of y'all have a, a fancy smartphone? Okay? Everybody has a fancy smartphone, and it has all these capabilities. You can take these awesome pictures, right? You can do portrait, you can do all kinds of crazy stuff. You can make you look yourself look like something you're not, right? got all this Arnold Schwarzenegger cover pictures on your Facebook. You're like, what? I don't know about all that, right? But you have all those pictures, all those filters. Have you ever taken pictures or about to take a video and your phone has a a message that says, you don't have space? Anybody ever experienced that, right? And you're like, this is worthless. I have all this capacity right here, but I don't have a space for another picture. That is ridiculous, right? And then all you need to pay is like a couple hundred dollars more for more storage if you're going to upgrade for a phone, right? It's not right. It's just not right. I'm bucking against it, right? So anyways, anybody experienced that? Sometimes we go through life so filled with the things of the world that there's no space for Jesus to come in and make changes. Sometimes, have you ever been in a home and it's so filled with stuff you barely can move around in it? There's shows about it and everything. And I don't want to make light of a serious condition. But can I say to you that sometimes spiritually we walk the same way? Right. Emotionally and spiritually we walk exactly the same way. The Bible says that that is like that soil, that living a life that way is like soil that is populated by thorns. Matthew 13, Jesus tells us a parable of of the seed which is the kingdom of God the word of God the work of God and how when God spreads that seed it falls in different soil and the soil will be different people right and some people when they receive that seed it doesn't work because the devil comes in and takes that seed right away is the seed that falls on the side some people they receive it right away they get super excited but because they don't let it penetrate in uh, it just, it quickly dies out. And then there's that third person. I'm going to read that scripture, Matthew 13, 22. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. And man, I know what it's like. I'm just confessing. Say, man, I want more fruit in my life. I want you to pour out your spirit in me. I want revival in my nation. I want revival in my life. And it's like, well, I want that fruit to come out, but there's thorns that's killing the fruit that I'm trying to produce in you. Does that make sense? You know what happens when we live a life like this? Typically, we live with a lot of anxiety and a lot of sorrow and I tell you why because worries always lead to anxiety the worries of this world always lead to anxiety and the deceitfulness of wealth destroy us the bible says those who go after possessions and worry about the things of this world you know what happens is that you will pierce yourself with many sorrows and you know sometimes you read the bible it's like dag that's so dramatic pierce yourself with many sorrows until you experience it. And you realize, no, that's exactly it. I know that when i give given myself to the wrong things, to chase after the wrong things, the only thing that I've done is pierce myself with unnecessary sorrow. Right. Listen, maybe there's a relationship that God's telling you to give up. Maybe there's Uh, something financially, the the wealth of this world, whatever the world has to give you that you need to give up. Trust the Lord. Do not pierce yourself with many sorrows. A life lived this way leads to insecurity because your security will depend on the things that you have and your plans working out just like you want them to. And we found out already that life doesn't work out just the way we want it to. Amen. Amen? Amen? So a lot of times... My space was not welcoming to Jesus. My space was not screaming out, God, enjoy me. Enjoy this space because I was just too full of other things. And lastly, as we close today, I realized that for a a huge portion of my life, at least to me huge, my space was not welcoming because my space was an unclean space. Now... I want to let you in on my little OCD issues, okay? Anybody ever been to Texas Roadhouse? I, I can't eat there. I don't, I don't even care if the steaks are good. Because people eat peanuts, and then they throw their shells on the floor. Uh, somebody told me this morning they don't do that anymore. I said, praise God, a man of God owns that business. And it's just hard for me because I'm walking and there's like shelves and I'm supposed to enjoy my food, but my feet are feeling stuff, right? And it's like, no, this ain't right. This is not of God. I start rebuking demons in the name of Jesus, right? I just have issues. I can't eat. I can't eat in dirty places. Have you ever been to a place that's just so dirty, you're like, this is, this is not welcoming? You know, the homes that we bought, they, they were not livable. You know, they were infested by rodent feces, and all kinds of, the septic needed replaced. One house, we had to open the water and it smelled like, like rotten eggs for like ever, right? They weren't livable places. And in order for those places to be livable, we needed to do some work, right? Now let me tell you something. Let me just make something very clear about the reality of our spiritual state. None of us can come clean to Jesus. Right? Right. No one comes clean in order to Jesus. All of us are unclean. That is the spiritual state of every person. Here's what the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 3. We've already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles are alike and they're, they're all under the power of sin as it is written. There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats, okay, now here are some awesome descriptions. You won't see this on Christmas cards. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of viper, vipers is on their lips. Their mouth are full of cursing and bitterness. What does that mean? That everything in our hearts produces death. Fifteen, their feet are swift to shed blood, ruin and misery mark their ways, and the way of peace they do not know, and there's no fear of God before their eyes. This is the state of every human being. And even when we try to do righteous works, this is what the Bible says about that, that our righteous works, our righteous works are like filthy rags before God. It's just a reality. Nobody comes clean to God. But wait a minute. How can God enjoy our space? How can God enjoy our lives if we all are unclean? Well, let me just say this. Jesus has the power to cleanse us. Jesus is the only one that can cleanse us. Jesus died for our uncleanness. His blood poured out on the cross for our sins has the power to cleanse us of all of the things that separate us from from him. His blood reaches to the highest mountains. Do you remember that song? And it reaches to the lowest of valleys for the blood that gives us strength from strength. It will never lose its power. And today, you and I, are made righteous, we are made pure, we are made holy, we are cleansed through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So if we want to be cleansed, what do we do? If we want to be clean before God, what do we do? How do we respond to that reality? Number one, respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit and let him in. The Bible says that Jesus stands at the door and knocks, the door of your heart, and whoever opens and lets them in, that he will come in and dine with them. Realize that you don't have the power to clean yourself. That's a work that only God can do. Give him permission to every area of your life and commit to respond to the discipline of God. The Bible has this verse where Jesus says, Come to me, all of you who are weighed down, heavy burden, and I will give you rest. My, for my yoke is easy and light. And maybe you're here today and you find yourself burdened, weighed down, filled with regrets, with resentments, with condemnation, with guilt and shame. Jesus is looking at you and saying to you, I can give you rest. The way I would give you rest is by yoking myself to you. And what that means is back in the days when people used to farm with animals, they would take a strong ox and partner that ox with a younger ox And that strong ox yoked to that younger ox will do the bulk of the work while that young ox is being trained and carried along the way. But that young ox eventually grows in holiness and matures in what that ox was created to be. Jesus is looking at you and at me and he says, maybe right now you don't have the power. Maybe right now you don't see how you're going to make it. Maybe right now you're incapable, but let me yoke myself to you. And as we do life together, you will know my peace, you will know my joy. You will know my forgiveness, you will know my grace, and you will grow in me. And you will grow in me. Would you stand with me? You know what I find? I've been saved now for 22 years. You know what I know today? Jesus is still the stronger ox. And to this day, I am in need of being yoked to him. To this day, I'm in need of his grace. Hallelujah. And to this day, he has been patient with me. Anybody thankful for that? Anybody thankful that God has been patient with you? Let's pray. Father, as we come before you, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you do. And we thank you, God, that physically we are celebrating a space that you've given us that's just such a blessing to us. But, Lord, we want to say to you, take our hearts, take our minds, take our soul. May our lives be a welcoming place to you. May our lives scream out, enjoy your space, God. Enjoy your space. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Maybe you're here today, and you need to be yoked to Jesus. You've not given your life to Jesus yet, but you're saying this morning, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to trade my regrets and my shame and my guilt and my pain and my condemnation. I want to give it to Jesus. I want to surrender. I tried in my own strength. I realized that I need a Savior this morning. Today, Jesus does not reject you, He forgives, He cleanses, He puts you in the right relationship with God. And through the power of His Holy Spirit, He even gives you the power to learn to live a holy life. It's His desire. That's you today right where you're at. With every head bowed and every eye closed. That's you, you're saying, today I give my life to Jesus. Would you raise your hand? Would you raise your hand, amen. Amen. I see your hands. Amen, I see your hands. Amen. Church, all of you pray with me at this time. Father God, we turn to you. We repent of our sins. And we welcome you into our lives. Cleanse us. Make us new. Take our hearts and give us new hearts. Have your way in our lives. Write our names in the book of life. I surrender to your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Now would you clap your hands today. Thank you. Thank you for salvation. For those of you who have given your life to Jesus, to feel freedom to do so, fill out a connection card. Let us know. We love to pray with you. We love to connect with you and make sure that you don't do life alone. You belong to the kingdom of God. Amen. And now, as we're praying and worshiping God today, there's, there's a lot of response that remains for the church. You're here today and you're saying, you know what, Pastor? Uh, I realize that my life has no space lately for God. I've been dealing with a lot of distractions. I've been dealing with a lot of things in my life that I realize have not made my life welcoming to Jesus. And I want to give them to God. As you're preaching, the Lord has revealed to me things that I need to surrender. Pastor, would you pray for me today. Would you pray, I want to give up, I want to yield, and I want to give up these things that are standing in the way of me walking in intimacy with God. If that's you right now, would you, would you raise your hand right where you're at? Amen. We're going to pray. Just last night, reached out to a brother and said, you know what, I need you to hold me accountable in this area. The enemy's trying to distract me in this area to take my devotion from God. The battle is real. The warfare is real for all of us. You're here today and you want to surrender that to Jesus. Let's just pray right now. Let's turn to the Lord. Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus. And we give you our distractions. We thank you that your Holy Spirit has revealed them as distractions And God, as we turn them to you, Father, we pray, God, that you would have your way with them. Destroy the work of the enemy, the plan of the enemy. We yield to you in Jesus' name. We will wake up as intercessors and take our position and stand in the gap for the broken and the lost and the wounded. We will have our eyes wide open, and we will be sober because we know that you're coming soon, Lord. You're coming soon. We thank you for these things. And Lord, I thank you for your church, that they would be a priesthood alert, that they would be a people that are a place where you dwell. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. The altars are open. If you need prayer, we would love to pray with you. Why don't you come on up? We'd love to pray with you. God bless you. Enjoy your space. Amen. The altars are open if you need prayer.